the long-awaited Sam Harris, Jordan Peterson, Brett Weinstein debate is out on YouTube, and we're going to start picking through it. This is Matthew Garnett. Welcome to In Layman's Terms. Islam doesn't represent any impediment to stem cell research. Orthodox Judaism and Christianity in, in, in the States was posing an impediment to embryonic stem cell research. You've heard me say I'd love to debate uh, Sam Harris, but this is probably about as close as I'm ever going to come uh, in debating him. I'm just going to kind of insert myself into this debate here and there. I've, I've kind of tried to pick through it and, and prepare for it a bit. Um, I definitely will have an advantage against him in a sense <laughs> because I already know what he's going to say. I've had a chance to think about it, but it's what Sam Harris always says, uh, and I have the same arguments against it's just just different ways to, to come at it and it's always good to review this stuff good for me hopefully this is helpful to you as well but before you get to all that let me remind you of our kenyan christian arts at laymanstermsradio.org just go there uh, peruse our arts and uh, buy a nice piece of art for an uh, upcoming birthday or an anniversary or something like that christmas time's coming up something to think about there um, also make sure to give 50 dollars to our, our uh, well project we've had some really nice donations come in as as of late and we're kind of creeping our way toward it Looking forward to having uh, Monica Ocholo on again to talk about the project um, and, and getting some testimonials from, from Kenya there with the children going to the Kibos Hope Academy school. And yeah, it, we could just really do some great things there. Make this domino fall of, of drilling this well for them would be a great help. And if we could make that happen, uh, that would just be so significant. I can't even describe how, uh, how helpful, <laughs> helpful is not even the word, it would be you know again just to remind you that the kids only have access to water at the school two to three days a week the rest of the time they have to go fetch water from local streams and rivers and that's going to you know after you already some of these children if you listen to the interview with monica she she told us about how some of these children walk you know round trip two three four five miles just to get to school um let alone having to lug water from local rivers and streams for, for the day and you know how that might cut into uh your energy to to focus and learn and, and be educated so uh if you haven't given your 50 dollars yet please do so as soon as possible and so we can so we can make this a reality for kibos hope academy okay so i was gonna try to break this down kind of by theme not going to really do that. I'm just going to kind of pick through, pick out a few sound bites here and there, interact with them, and uh, yeah, just kind of see how this goes. See how much of this we can get through. Some of it's some of it's really fascinating. I, I got to tell you my approach here, but I'm going to be debating more with Sam Harris than than with uh, with Jordan Peterson personally. You know, as far as Jordan Peterson defending Holy Scripture goes, just find his uh, his approach fairly inane. And not not very defensible. In fact, it, you know, I would really say that Harris won this debate against Jordan Peterson. Although I, I really like Jordan Peterson, I'm glad that he sees some value in the scriptures and tries to defend them. And I think he does make some valid points. Uh, you know, he really presses Sam Harris on this idea of you know really getting back to first principles and, and, and these sorts of things. You know, uh, it, which we'll kind of discuss as we go on. But he really never quite quite gets there you know he, he wants to psychologize the the entire uh, the entirety of holy scripture and you know if he thinks that's what the writers were really trying to get at okay fine that's that's perfectly legitimate but but i'm not sure if he thinks that that's really what they were trying to say in other words he's really thinks that's what the authors meant 
uh, when they wrote it, or if if this is just one among many interpretations. Which you know, if 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 <laughs> if the second uh, option is true, if he just kind of believes that his psychologizing of the Bible is one interpretation among many that could be that could be useful and helpful and this sort of thing, well, that's that's really not much. I mean, Sam Harris completely has him there because Harris, you know, demonstrates very well that you can take any text or any set of facts and, you know, if you squint hard enough and think about it hard enough and, you know, interpret them in a certain way and look at them this way, you can make any text say anything you want. And that's absolutely true. And I think Jordan Peterson does that a lot with Holy Scripture. Um, I, I, I appreciate uh, Peterson's stance for morality and for certain things that are going on in politics right now. I think it's very helpful that he stood against this uh, C-16 bill in Canada, which you know requires people to use the, the preferred pronouns of, of transgender people. I think that is uh, a bulwark against that kind of tide that, uh, of the sexual revolution. That's been very helpful. And kind of his no-nonsense approach to life is, is helpful. But uh, as a defender of Holy Scripture, no. I would rather, you know, he spent what probably three to four hours just in this discussion alone in Vancouver with Harris I would rather have seen Harris spend three to four hours discussing this with William William Lane Craig that would have been much more productive uh, much more helpful and, and a much better defense but you know who knows uh, it, it, I, I guess it doesn't attract the audiences or, or whatever the case may be I you know uh, I wish Jordan Peterson would uh, would bring somebody in that had a little more expertise in this area than he has. So, uh, at any rate, and and frankly, Sam Harris is you know not uh, what I would call an expert atheist. I I in fact I have yet to see you know a real expert atheist. That would require you studying all the world's religions thoroughly and being able to disprove them one by one by one. And you're, we're going to see that Harris does not know the Bible. He knows that. You know the he want, the parts he wants to cherry pick he knows and he picks them out and then he strawmans them and trashes the entire uh, the entirety of Holy Scripture. That's that's kind of how he rolls. He you know he obviously hasn't studied the thing because again if you go read a book like um, like uh, is God a moral monster we 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 reviewed that book here a while back. Go read a book like that. You know somebody who studied the New Testament scriptures the 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 scriptures are clear. However, in order to get to get what's going on there, you have to study them. They're, they are clear, uh, but even when people, you know, um, there are technical books, uh, you know, say an engineering book that is perfectly clear, but unless you're a trained engineer, uh, it's not going to be clear to you uh, in a lot of ways. Now, I don't think you have to be a trained theologian to be able to read Holy Scripture, but it does help. I mean, you got somebody uh, like a Copan who wrote uh, Is God a Moral Monster? who is literally a Jewish lawyer, literally could have been a Jewish lawyer. He's studied the law that carefully, and he can explain it to you. It's just, that would be an apt comparison to say, com, you know, compare the Jewish law to our law, law code, okay? You wouldn't go and go into court without a lawyer, um, ever. And, and in fact, it, depending on what kind of litigation you're getting ready, getting ready to engage in, you'd find a, a lawyer that specialized in that field. You wouldn't try to defend yourself. You would find somebody that could study, spend their time um, preparing your defense, and and uh, and fully understand the law. I mean, our laws are clear. Uh, it's just that you've got to be able to put them all together in a, in a coherent way. There, there. It's a large body of work, as are uh, the Jewish laws. 
See, so and that's what that's what Copan did such a wonderful job of, and that's where Harris is just completely incapable, um, and really, quite frankly, hasn't I haven't ever seen him address uh, some of those areas, but we're going to <laughs> going to challenge some of those things that that Harris brings up, and and uh, and even challenge you know his worldview as best I can, and hopefully it'll be helpful to you and kind of thinking through these things um, yourself and. Uh, um, yeah, uh, bring, you know, bringing confidence to your own faith, uh, so that when the world, the devil, and our sinful nature attacks your faith, uh, you can readily defend the faith, and um, if the occasion presents itself, use it as an evangelical tool. Okay, we won't gild the lily any further here. Let's get to the debate between uh, uh, Sam Harris and Jordan Peterson, moderated by Brett Weinstein. Here we go. So, so that just to close the loop on that, the only reason why I would focus on religion in particular there is that religion is the only language game wherein fundamentalism and, and dogmatism, it, where dogmatism is not a pejorative concept. Dogma is a good word, in, specifically within Catholicism. And the notion that you must believe things on faith, that is in the absence of compelling evidence that would otherwise cause a rational person to believe it, that in a religious context is considered a feature, not a bug. Elsewhere, we recognize it to be a bug, and that's that's why the, the unique okay, so, focus on religion. So, okay, so, so. okay, so for Harris, dogmatism is essentially believing things completely on faith. It's a, it's a belief, you know, based on complete fideism with, with no uh, underlying evidence. Um, now, there are certainly people out there who will just say, you know, whatever the Bible says, I believe it. I don't have to have any evidence for it. You know, that's certainly out there. And that seems to get a lot more publicity than, than those of us who have a reason uh, for our faith. For our faith. Um, but Christianity rightly understood... Uh, we uh, now, admittedly, we rely on some amount of fideism. There is there is a place where we say, you know what, we have to take that step of faith. Um, but it's not without reasons, even for its for its dogma. I mean, I'm a Lutheran, right? We have we have an entire field dedicated to dogmatics, and the whole point of that field is is to to put together reasoned arguments uh, for why we believe what we believe. Uh, you know. Um, Harris's definition of, of dogmatism is really an argument that, that proved too much. Uh, that proves too much. Uh, it, it's something that if he's going to decry believing something on faith, uh, that's only that's going to uh, really work against him as he uh, goes through this debate. Even Harris has a set of dogmatics, and, and we'll see that as as we uh, move on here. Well, I, I would. I, I think. I'll, one has to acknowledge that there's something uniquely pernicious, at least potentially, about religious beliefs because they, they have the, the otherworldly variable, the supernatural variable, the uh, you're going to get everything you want after you die, so this life doesn't matter issue. That, right. that, that allows for a kind of misbehavior that is especially okay. okay so so it seems that okay so that that's an example of of harris straw manning an argument i don't know one christian that believes that how we behave in this life doesn't matter not one christian 
Um, I've heard of Christians that, that act like that. Like, you know, I can do whatever I want in this life and, you know, and, you know, I'll just get whatever I want in the afterlife. So they, so they mistreat people. That's, but that's not, it's not pernicious. I mean, a, a Christian, you know, misbehaving in, in that way, um, is, is not causing widespread mayhem. Uh, it's it's not something to be feared. Now maybe you wouldn't want your uh, daughter dating somebody that behaved that way. Um, I certainly wouldn't. But but again, uh, you know that that just shows that that Harris hasn't really studied any good arguments uh, of Christians. He he he, he straw mans the the best Christian apologetics, and that and this is one of this is one of Harris's things that he says. You know he wants to do. He wants to he wants to be able to state the opposition's argument in the best terms. And he does that for everybody else except for Christians or any any religion, really, see. Uh, and that's a problem. That's a problem. And and in a debate, in a formal sense, if you're in a formal debate and you're being judged, I used to do a little bit of this, um, that you would you would get points off for that. That's called straw manning. Any, every time you, you commit a, a, a logical or rhetorical fallacy, the judge goes, oh, straw manning, <laughs> and then you get a few points off. Uh, and you may you may not win that debate if, if you continue to do that. So uh, that's that's uh, what Harris seems seems to do. He doesn't seem to put he puts forth a few good arguments against holy scripture which with a little more study could be explained uh, but for the most part he spends his time straw manning and um, and producing ad hominem attacks remember uh, if, if you remember when we went through the uh, the debate with he and William Lane Craig that's kind of where he went he could he didn't have an argument against Craig so he just uh, bounced off and started you know basically straw manning and ad hominem, sending ad hominem attacks at Holy Scripture. So that's an example of that. Um, it's going to be kind of thematic throughout this debate. Uh, that uh, held sway to a point where apostasy and blasphemy were killing offenses. You know, the, the people who, who, who didn't toe the line were eradicated. And, you know, so, and North, so to, to take a, a more modern example, North Korea is a religious cult. It just doesn't happen to be a, a one that is focused on the next life or, or you know, supernatural claims of, so what of would magic. Okay, so there, here comes the authority piece. He, he ta he's talking about these authoritarian dictatorships, but my question to Harris would be, okay, fair enough, but what's really going on there? My opinion is that you take a guy like Mao, uh, the, the Kim regime, Stalin, Lenin, Hitler, that these are men who put themselves in the place of God and, and took that kind of authority. And that's why they, they look like religious cults because everybody worships the leader and if they, if they don't swear fealty to the leader, then they're, they're done with. I would challenge Harris to give me a system that was run by men where authoritarianism wasn't going to creep in. How you know, how would he set these things up? Would it would it would he set up the Harris regime? I mean, what would he do if, if I was a Christian baker and I didn't want to bake a cake for a gay wedding in his regime? Would he kind of go along with uh, Michael Shermer? You guys remember this from a few months back, right? Michael Shermer talking about getting the National Guard out for for uh, for bakers uh, that that they're going to have to bring the gun to to kind of get us all in line here. That's pretty frightening frightening stuff, uh, especially when you're, you're you're a religious person. Um, I would like, I, I, you know, and I don't assume that Harris would would buy for authoritarianism. I, I 
that would seem to fly in the face of many, many of his arguments. Uh, however, what, what is he vying for here? Um, if you're going to do away with religion, if, if, if religion is considered something dangerous, then in the ideal society, what if you had somebody who was religious, um, wasn't hurting, hurting anybody with their religion, but then how do you define that? I mean, I educate, I've brought, you know, I bring my children up in the faith. They go to Lutheran schools. Would that be considered child abuse? I mean, you know, where, where are you going to take this and who's going to have the authority uh, to do it? Right. That's, that's kind of where I'd like to see Harris challenged a little bit on this sort of thing. And just so you know, here's my solution to it. We, we have a third party in all of this who is the authority, and that's God. And again, you remember kind of my three-tiered argument for, for you know, the, the necessity of God and Holy Scripture is that we need an authority to, to tell us what, what, is, uh, what the deal is to kind of lay down the law. Uh, something somebody that's outside of us humans who who can take that authority without abusing it, and it seems like a perfect being with with all knowledge and all wisdom would be that uh, that figure that we need. Philosoph- I mean, that's just a philosophical argument. Uh, you know, one thing you're gonna kind of gonna kind of hear Peterson and and Harris go back and forth on is um, is this whole notion of uh, you know, well, there may or may not be a God, but we should live like there is a God. Well, that's kind of my argument with the authority thing is, okay, let's just presuppose for a minute, just for the sake of argument, there's no God. But here's why we should pretend like there is a God, because we need an authority that's above humanity. We, we need that, because otherwise somebody's going to fill that vacuum. Uh, and we also need to, to fear that there are, uh, there are both temporal and eternal consequences for our actions. See? Um, so... So there's the authority piece, and then we're going to get into all this. And again, uh, the uh, the scope of the morality. Uh, Harrison's Harrison's moral program is very limited in scope, uh, as is any really atheist or anybody who what yeah anybody who rejects God it would be an atheist. Um, and uh, and then on top of that, uh, the amount of time it takes. So you remember, I, I keep referring back to you know, Brett Weinstein involved in this. His his wife wife Heather Hying talking to Joe Rogan about how, you know, they've kind of come to the conclusion that having a monogamous uh, um, relationship between a man and a woman that produces children is the best, uh, you know, that's that's the most satisfying or fulfilling sexually, right? <laughs> and after how long since the Enlightenment have they come up with that? So it takes a long time to come up with uh, with with a good moral code. And even then, it's it's questionable, right? Uh, the, you know, can it change? Can it not change? You know, how, how does all that work? Um, just it just seems to you know to make a lot more sense to hope that we have God's voice and I, and again we do we do we have God's voice and we can rely on it as we'll demonstrate. Yeah, they may. Yeah, they're very similar. I mean, the, the problem is dogmatism. The overarching problem is believing things strongly on bad evidence, and be, be and the reason why dogmatism is so dangerous is that it is. It doesn't allow us to revise our bad ideas in real time through conversation. It is it, dogmas have to be enforced by force or the threat of force. Because the moment someone has a better idea, you have to shut it down in order to preserve your dogmas. Okay. Okay. So, so the commonality seems to be something like claims of absolute truth at some level that can't be that you're no longer yeah. allowed to discuss. All right. So here is. Um... <laughs> this is interesting because I would I would like to get into some some specifics 
with Harris um, about this whole dogma issue. And here's where his dogmatism comes in. Um, he claims that, that dogmatism is believing in something without good evidence, without significant significant evidence. And Harris does this. He does it with abortion, he does it with gay marriage, and he does it with evolution. And I would challenge him on all three uh, pieces. And you're, you're going to see him bring these, these various issues up. Uh, uh, abortion, uh, be very, uh, very simple to challenge him on that with, okay, show me the conclusive evidence that life does not begin at conception. Is there any doubt whatsoever? Um, and then compare that to perhaps your, one of your own children that maybe got kidnapped or something like that. If there was any, you know, they got kidnapped, they've, they've been kidnapped for a long time. If there was any doubt whatsoever that they were, they were still alive, would you stop looking? That, that's what I would challenge him with. Because if Harris were honest, he would admit that we don't know exactly when life begins. Now, I think the evidence is clearly on the side it begins at conception. And I think that's the safest way to do it. It begins at conception. So there's some of his dogmatism. Hey, we should have we should have abortions, and he's gonna say this. We should kill babies so we can do stem cell research on them. That's that's where he's gonna go with that. Now, if that's not dogmatism, I'm not sure what is. That is that is a that is practically an article of faith in secular society today is to have abortion be legal. That's a piece of his dogmatism there, clearly. Same thing with gay marriage. I, I, can, I can reasonably defend the scripture's prohibi- prohibition of gay marriage. You've, you've heard me do it in many podcasts. I, I know the whole history of it. I maybe haven't brought that up before, but I, but I could eviscerate him on that issue with reason, with reasonable uh, data and evidence about how, a, how detrimental to health it is but among among men especially, but among women too, um, on down the line, and w- what the roots of homosexuality are, these sorts of things. Um, you know, that's another thing that he's he's committed to uh, dogmatically. If it we're going to define dogma as believing in something without su- significant evidence, same thing with evolution. There, you know, I this is something I couldn't argue nearly as well as as some of the scientists that that are that are creation scientists. You know. Uh, guys like Jason Lyle and so forth, uh, but <clears throat> uh, but I would just challenge him with, hey, we have zero evidence of any cross-species evolution. Just challenging him with that piece. See, um, and so <laughs> so this whole idea of, of dogmat that he's that he's struggling with with dogmatism, um, you know, and 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 to see, I I think that what would happen is I would imagine. If I got the opportunity to debate Sam Harris and I brought these things up to him, he would just mock me and laugh at me and, and these sorts of things because these are things that are in our culture, in our society right now, are kind of settled things uh, among the secularists at least. And to question anything like abortion or gay rights or evolution is just, that's just ridiculous and stupid. So those, those items aren't up for discussion anymore. Um, and here they are talking about how, you know, uh, Christianity or uh, Christianity in particular, I think Harris has really got some focus on Islam here. Uh, but I mean, Christians, reasonable Christians are willing to discuss anything in the scripture. You can question it. I question the Bible all the time. This is what we do in theology. 
I mean, what, what do you think theologians do? Just sit around and memorize dogmas from ages old? No, they discuss these things. They debate them. They, you know, they question them. You know, I question things in my own confession sometimes. I don't understand them. It's like, well, this is here. It doesn't doesn't seem to make sense with the scriptures, and we discuss it. Or, you know, here's you you gave this opinion on that. Well, I don't think that's right. This is this is what theology is all about: is questioning, and 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 inquiring about these things. This is what theologians do. They, we just don't sit or, sit around and pontificate on things. No, it's a questioning of God's word. It's an asking. It's it's a searching out to see what's really there, um, and. So, so this whole notion that, that, that Christianity is, is this, you know, hard-nosed, we've got, you know, don't dance, drink, smoke, or chew, and, you know, just sit around and wait for Jesus to come back idea is, is, is a complete straw man. And that's, that's what he's basing his arguments on. And that's, that's where he's getting this idea of dogmatism, where, where, you know, religions, all they do is believe in stuff that has no evidence uh, whatsoever. And, and A, Harris is guilty of the same thing. And B, no, we don't. <laughs> it's a complete straw man. All right, let's move on. So, and and so and so clearly, and this is true for morality, you know, most pressingly. But it's true for science. It's true for economics. It's true for anything else that we we uh, are wise to pay attention to. Uh, it's like slavery is condoned in the Bible, in both Testaments, and in the Quran. There's no getting away from that. Now you can say, well, it's not the central thrust of any of these books. But if you, if you go to the books and try to figure out what the creator of the universe wants with respect to the owning and needless immiseration of other people, right? He expects you to keep slaves and he's told you how to do it. You know, don't knock out their eyes and their teeth. Uh, uh, don't take, if you're a Muslim, don't take other Muslims as slaves. But it's not an accident that the people who joined ISIS thought that it was absolutely kosher to take slaves. Okay, so <laughs> that's kind of funny. He said, "Absolutely, Kush. He's a Jew, uh, and he's talking about Muslims who, evidently, especially ISIS, uh, Islamicists, hate Jews. Uh, kosher. That's uh, a very funny play on words, actually. Um, I'm not sure if he meant to do that or not. But anyway, uh, so this is where Copan again comes in, very handy, and is very helpful in all of this." Uh, because really, slavery um, in 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 the Jewish law code um, was was an anti-poverty relief program. That's that's what you know. If, again, if you haven't read "Is God a Moral Monster," you need to pick that up. It is an absolutely crucial reference book for apologetics. I you know I'm just uh, so happy that I ran across that uh, because. It, it, you know, Copan just does a great job explaining everything and, and putting everything together for us. That that in fact that verse, uh, that part of the Bible where where the law says you can't knock out the teeth or poke out the eyes of your slaves, uh, there the, there are there are rules for how slaves are to be treated in in the Old Testament. Um, compare that to the chattel slavery of of early America. There were no rules for how slaves were to be treated. You could treat them any way you wanted to. So which was better? How the Jews treated their slaves or how um, early Americans treated their slaves? And, and Harris makes no distinction between the two. In fact, he doesn't want to. Go back to that uh, uh, William Lane Craig-Harris debate. And Harris uh, and uh, William Lane Craig tries to bring that out, I, I believe, if I'm thinking of the right debate. I've watched so many debates on this sort of thing. Um, but there's a difference between the, the slavery that's prescribed in the Jewish law code 
and the chattel slavery of the 16th, 17th, 18th, and 19th centuries uh, in America. 16th, not quite 16th, sorry. They probably didn't drop that year. But the point being, if you understand how that, that is put together, what happens in if, in, if one of the uh, Jewish brethren falls into poverty, say he has a crop fail, and he has to take a loan, and then he has another crop fail, and he can't pay back the loan, then he can say, hey, look, I'll just come to work for you, the person I owe this debt to. Um, it's you know kind of like a, a, a debtor's, uh, I can't, I'm losing the term right now, but, but he would go to work for the person he owed the money to. Um, instead of just letting him starve to death or, or you know, waller in, in poverty, unable to pay the person back, God said, no, you take the person into your house, they're called your slave, your servant. Um, it's, it's illegal as Harrisites uh, to abuse the slave. It's, uh, it's illegal on pain of death to murder a slave in the Old Testament. Um, and there, there are very strict restrictions on how you can discipline a slave. On top of that, you're commanded to free the slaves every seven years. It's nothing like chattel slavery at all. It's a complete anachronistic uh, argument. I mean, so to kind of demonstrate this, let, let me read uh, Nehemiah 5 to you and, I, and, I'll, and I'll show you what I'm talking about here. Okay, so Nehemiah 5 says, Now there arose a great outcry of the people and of their wives against their Jewish brothers. For there were those who said, With our sons and daughters we are many, so let us get grain that we may eat and keep alive. There were also those who said, We are mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, and our houses to get grain because of the famine. And there were those who said, We have borrowed money for the king's tax on our field and our vineyards. Now our flesh is as the flesh of our brothers, our children as their children. Yet we are forcing our sons and our daughters to be slaves, and some of our daughters have already been enslaved. But it is not in our power to help it. For other men have our fields and our vineyards. And Nehemiah answers this. He says, I was very angry when I heard their outcry and these words. I took counsel with myself and I brought charges against the nobles and the officials. I said to them, you are exacting interest each from his brother. You are exacting interest each from his brother. So what's going on here? What was going on was there, there was a famine and these people were forced to, to sell their, their property to, to people. Uh, but in order to stay alive, they're going in debt and that, that would happen. This is, this was allowed, but what was not allowed was, uh, for the Jews to charge each other, um, interest on these loans. And because they had been charged interest on the loans, they weren't able to pay the loans back. And then therefore these people that had given the, given them these loans with interest took them into slavery. And so instead of help, trying to help their brother out, they took advantage of their brother and they charged them interest in order that they couldn't pay back the loan and then took them into slavery. And, and Nehemiah rebukes them uh, for this. He, he, goes, he goes on to say, uh, I held a great assembly against them and said to them, we, as far as we are able, have brought, uh, bought back our Jewish brothers who have been sold to the nations, but you even sell your brothers that they may be sold to us. They were silent and could not find a word to say, of course, because they were wrong. They were charging their brother's interest and causing them to fall into, into slavery. So I said, the thing that you are doing is not good. Ought you not walk in the fear of our God? All right. So that's, that's, that's proof positive right there that even though slavery was allowed, interest you know, to, to put uh, somebody in slavery purposefully was, was not allowed. It was the only reason somebody would go into slavery is because they were in debt to somebody. And that's that was a way they could get out of debt. And in seven years, if they, you know, that was that was enough time 
uh, to pay off any debt in God's eyes, and they were freed. And, and that's really what it was. Um, and, it, and on top of that, what you have to, the, the other argument I put forth to Harris is to say, okay, okay, let's, let's just say for the sake of argument that the Bible is, is a book that was written completely by men, completely by men. Um, they, they, they had slavery, um, and I've just described to you what the slavery is for and how, how they are to, to treat slaves. Are you familiar with how uh, slaves were treated in, in other cultures in the ancient Near East? And he's probably not. But, but, the, but the accounts, the few of them that we have, the, slaveries, the slaves, it was more like chattel slavery. It was, it was brutal. Uh, I mean, again, I would ask him what, which would be better, the slavery of the, of the Bible or the slavery of, uh, uh, of the 1800s before the Civil War? And he could not help but answer the slavery of the Bible. Yeah, that's right. So God's program for Israel was a vast improvement over what was going on around everybody else. Uh, he knew that, that slavery might be a part of things. This, is, this was kind of the nature of men, and if God were to forbid slavery, the people, it might have been too much for them to, to handle or understand. And so he was bringing them along. He was making progress. I would say, Sam, buddy, you believe in progress, right? We want to make progress. We want to make moral improvement. This is a vast moral improvement from what was going on beforehand. And that's all it was. See? You might not like it. It might not be the improvements we've made up to this point in this country uh, with, with the information we have now, but it was a vast improvement uh, from what was before. It was a huge leap forward. So wouldn't you say that's a good thing? Yeah, wouldn't you say that was a good good model at least to follow? I mean, we don't want to follow the model of slavery. We don't need slavery anymore. Um, we can get people out of poverty in all kinds of different ways now. Uh, but, uh, but, but wouldn't you say that progress is good, that taking a step forward uh, from something bad to something better is the idea. Yeah, see, that's what I would challenge him with. And, and that, that's just something that's completely out of Harris's uh, scope or vision uh, to, to contend with, with these ideas. Uh, and it's too bad, too. I, again, I would love to debate him and challenge him with some of these things. You know, uh, give, give me four hours with him and, and, and see what happens. And I'm not even an expert. I wish they would, again, get, get a real expert on this. Okay, let's, let's move on to, to the next thing here. to take sex slaves and uh, I mean they were even it, their their use of their sex slaves was conducted as a sacrament and that's not an accident I mean they, they were okay. praying over their, the, the, the Yazidi girls before they raped them so this, this is not unlike the, what many people expect it's not that this doctrine is being used as a pretext for people who would otherwise do terrible things like take sex slaves and rape them. Uh, and so there's no net damage being done here by this belief system. No, these are, I would argue in many cases, psychologically normal people who are simply convinced of the absolute veracity of these ideas. And and in the in this case, the, the perfect example of Muhammad as the, the, the most self-actualized human who's ever existed. And you know, what did Muhammad do? Muhammad took sex slaves. Uh, so you know, he, and he's a, and then then once you once you grant that, and this is I mean this is where you, there's a, there's a tension between you know how we pursue the same goals like you know as we've just established we have many of the same goals but insofar as you make religion look palatable insofar as you suggest to your audience that they can they can have their religious cake and eat it too they can they can have their reason. They can have their respect for science, 
They can have a 21st century worldview, but they can also hold on to everything they love in Christianity or fear to lose. And it's, it's undoubtedly mostly Christianity, but, but whatever, any religion. My concern is that it keeps us shackled to these Iron Age philosophies and these Iron Age conversations where we should be having a 21st century conversation about everything. Okay, so hold on. I got to jump in there a little bit. I was going to let him go on this for a little bit. But that that is just, again, a complete straw man of Christianity. We can have a 21st century conversation. Look, Sam, buddy, we can question all of the Bible if you want to. You ready? Let's start questioning it. You give me your question, I'll give you an answer. And I can and that's why I don't like that's why I basically excluded Peterson from all this because the answer he gives is this psychologizing of the Bible and that that just Harris just obliterates that argument. He says, "Yeah, you can do that with anything. You can make any text say whatever you want to say it." Say and and basically what you're doing is you're making these these religions palatable to people and it's not good because they're going to continue to hold on to these old ways and this old thinking and so on and so forth and i'm saying to harris no you can ask any question you want of the bible and i can give you a a a rational um uh textual argument in defense of the scriptures i can i can show you how i can hold on to the uh holy scripture as god's word in the 21st century. I do it all the time. In fact, again, philosophically, I have no choice. See, I, I don't know if you guys have heard me say this before, but I, I was pretty much committed to becoming an atheist, so I picked up Richard Dawkins' God Delusion. Um, that was the last flirtation I had with atheism. Because you want to talk about authoritarian, this sort of, you know, hey, we've got to quit making religion palatable to people. We've got to get, we've got to get people to put religion away. We got to get them to stop believing in it. And um, what are they going to do with guys like William Lane Craig and me and whoever else knows how to defend the faith? What are they going to do with us, uh, us uh, Christians who can defend their faith rationally and will not give it up unless it's uh, on pain of death? I mean, I took I took a vow that I would rather die than leave Christ's church, and, and I, I did that, uh, and I came by that vow honestly. It wasn't a blind leap of faith, see. And so, you know, if I were to uphold that vow, uh, Harris would have to put a gun to my head and say, "Give up your religion. We're not doing that anymore." See, and that is frightening to somebody like me um, that that we would go this direction. Um, you know, he's just never going to convince enough people. I mean, that's what he's going to try to do. He's going to try to convince everybody to get rid of religion. And the reason he doesn't like Peterson is because Peterson goes around and gives people, uh, you know, some sort of, even if it's a psychologizing, he gives people some sort of uh, end to Christianity. That part I don't mind, honestly. Uh, it's just that if people get stuck there. Uh, it's going to be pro it's going to it's going to be a problem. At any rate. Uh, let me let this go on a bit more. I got a couple more things on this section here. Ethics included. Okay. Okay. So, okay. So, so, um, but I, I want to ask you a little bit about your feeling wait, about. Wait, wait. Before before you move on, I I, I want to get each of you to clarify something so yep. that we know yep. where where yep. we are. So, Sam, you said the problem here is that the dogma can't be updated. 
right? That slavery is with us permanently because it's written into the dogma. But clearly, most of the traditions in which it's written into the holy book don't practice slavery, and the people who, uh, who adhere to these belief systems wouldn't defend slavery. So clearly there is the capacity for an update mechanism. Well, no, but n not really. I mean, they've been forced, they've had it beaten out of them, right? I mean, th we, we fought a... That, see, okay, hold on. That is, that is not true. I'm going to, okay, I want to jump on this. <laughs> going to hold off here. Let me, let him finish. Civil war in the U.S. to get rid of slavery. But it was just, Christians we, who abolished slavery in England, though? What was that? It was Christians who were at the forefront of the movement to abolish well, yeah, slavery I mean, in England. There were Christians on either side of everything. I mean, there's, there's no one else to no, do the job. Right, well, but, but well, that's yeah, the update. But wait, wait, wait a second. But, to, so there, yes, there, but it was specifically Christians who were using their Christian belief as a justification for yes, eradicating but slavery. The, the problem was they were actually on the losing side of a theological argument. And, and it would be much better, I think you would agree, if one of the Ten Commandments had been, don't keep slaves. Okay, so there we go. <laughs> one of the Ten Commandments is, don't keep slaves. Um, don't engage in, ch in the chattel slavery that we experienced um, in the West, uh, you know, say, 16th century onward, uh, until until England and uh, Western Europe abolished it, and we followed suit. Um, there was not a theological... We weren't on a lose the losing side of a theological debate. There weren't a bunch of atheists um, in the 19th century running around in North America arguing against Christians to abolish slavery. No, it was Christians using Holy Scripture to argue against slavery. And I suggest that this started with the Reformation. This started with people knowing their Bibles. Because I am convinced that one of the, the consequences for people not knowing their Bibles at the founding of this country uh, was slavery. And as people started to study their Bibles and understand them more, they understood, and at least the founders understood, that each person was made in the image of God. And you find that nowhere else, in no other religion other than the Judeo-Christian religion. That we are made in the image of God and therefore people should be treated with dignity as, as human beings made in the image of God. That's what broke the back of chattel slavery in this country. And they, they weren't on a... This is complete... Again, um, I don't know if, if Harris is just not just ignorant or he's not thinking through this or he's purposefully uh, just making these these completely inane arguments because it wasn't a theological again it wasn't a theological debate between atheists and and Christians you know that the, all these Christians down in the south wanted to keep slavery and all the atheists in the north wanted to do away with slavery no not not at all um, it, Peterson is right on this he, people people used the scripture and the founding documents to, to abolish slavery, which were the, the, the founding documents were based on Holy Scripture. Um, the fifth commandment forbids the abuse of slaves. Uh, I mean, and this is and this is backed up, uh, you know, by by, by Genesis nine six that that says you you essentially, and I'm paraphrasing here, but you but you shall not uh, murder because uh, because people are made in the image of God. And that, that's all, this is way back, this is millennia, this is tens of centuries before, you know, before Harris was in the, you know, on, on the scene here talking about this sort of thing. 
Holy Scripture was prescribing these things. Um, this was backed up by the Jewish law code and reinforced by Christ in the Sermon on the Mount. It is in the Scripture. Love your neighbor as yourself. Even though you had a, as a Jew, even though you had a slave, you were still to love that person. Um, it doesn't take that sophisticated of a reading of Scripture to understand these things. The abolitionists were on the winning side of the theological debate. Uh, by Harris's own admission, there was no one else to force the problem. Right? I didn't mention that. Um, no atheist group existed uh, to beat them working for abolition. Um, the, de- the debate was won. Yeah, it was won politically. I'll agree. It was you know, on our founding documents and worked for and this sort of thing. But it was also theologically based, again, on, on the image of God. This is just a ridiculous argument that Harris is making, and uh, unfortunately, <laughs> Peterson ha- has has no answer for this. Um, and uh, you know, and that's the that's the whole thing is we. <laughs> I I just don't get Harris's reading of ancient texts. It's he just takes he doesn't take any culture uh, any any cultural setting into account. He doesn't he doesn't have any idea what the what the situation is like. He doesn't situate his arguments in history. He, he just takes, okay, slavery is what we did in the United States, and so every time slavery is mentioned in any ancient text, that's what it means. No, <laughs> that's not what it means. Um, you, you, you know, the most probably the most brutal era of slavery um, was, was in the West from, let's say, the 17th century up until the end of the Civil War. That was probably the most brutal era of slavery on record. Now, there, well, there's some records of stuff going on in Africa and that sort of thing, but I'm talking about in the West. You know, or as compared to who knows what. But good grief. I mean, I can't imagine slavery being any more brutal than it was in America uh, when it was first founded. Uh, it's This was certainly not prescribed by the scriptures. Anyway, I think I've made my point here. Let's move on. Okay, for this part, you're going to want to turn it off if you've got children in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. I think that... That the, you know, the lizard king is is living in the Oval Office. You know that uh, you, you you never get a zero percent response to any poll question, right? Uh, but if you ask Muslims on the streets of London, is homosexuality morally acceptable? Apparently, you can find no one who says it is. Uh, that's shocking, and it's not an accident, right? And it would be much easier if the book actually said, actually, you know, you can love anyone you want, and you know. It's, uh, it's not a problem. It is, it is shocking, but I think... Okay, so here I would have jumped all over Harris. I, this, this would have been my, my big opening. This, he, he, this would have been like him leading with his jaw in a boxing match. Because I would have said, <clears throat> uh, does loving whoever you want, uh, homosexual practice, this would have been Sam, uh, does, does homosexual practice, quote-unquote, loving whoever you want, promote human flourishing? If so, How? And I would have him lay that out for me. Uh, okay. Um, define love. I would have him define love for me. And then I would have said, okay, so you're telling me that one man sodomizing another is loving. Um, would you say that uh, it, it's okay for, if, if a woman agrees to have her have her husband beat her every night, that's perfectly fine if she agrees? I mean, <laughs> so again, I would I, sodomy is an act of violence. It's plain and simple as that. And, that, and that's the thing I think we miss in this a lot of times. And I've mentioned this before. That's the thing I think we miss in this whole uh, sexual revolution debate is we don't talk about the fact that sodomy is an act of violence. It is. It, it that's where it has its roots, its origins. And we see he and I would have went back and forth on this. 
we could have talked. See, not am I not making a reasonable argument here? I mean, you tell you know. We, we, so <laughs> there, there. This would have been fisticuffs, right here. But uh, but maybe Peterson's a little wiser than I am here. That you know probably would have derailed the whole thing. People would be people would be freaking out. I mean. You can't, you know, if you, I mean, think about the freak out that everybody's had over, over Peterson not using people's preferred pronouns, you know, that, that sort of thing, you know, it would have been, there would have been, it would have been mayhem. It would have been mayhem and I would have loved it. <laughs> but, but that's, that's the question I would, I would give to him is to say, whoa, wait a minute. There, there, uh, there's very good reasons why now the, the, uh, the typical Muslim may not be able to give you the reasons. Then again, they might, uh, but I can, I can tell you why scripture forbids this I can give you the whole history of it if you want um, and so yeah but 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 that's the thing is it doesn't seem like Harris is so willing to look deeply into all kinds of things but he's not willing to look deeply into his most uh, in, into the opponents he criticizes the most he's just not uh, this is this is pretty thematic throughout this debate and unfortunately uh, Peterson doesn't doesn't give good answers here so so the 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 that's one one piece of the homosexual, you know, the reason why homosexuality is forbidden in scripture is because it's it's fundamentally an act of violence. Um, it's, you know, sodomy is not something that the human body is meant to endure. Uh, um, it's not it's not a healthy thing to engage in, and there's some pretty good uh, scientific research on this. Um, and so again, that's the that's the argument I would put forth. Is is it okay? If a woman agrees, if it's perfectly fine with her, that her husband beat her every day, would you think that would be a good thing? Because that's that's maybe it's a little more extreme, uh, but probably not. <laughs> um, not to get into the gory details of it, but uh, you know you can go look, kind of look at that yourself. Now, the origins, uh, the reason that uh, I, I'm convinced that Leviticus calls. Uh, a man lying with another man as he lies with a woman, an abomination, is because this is one of the things that if you, there were, there were two, uh, two reasons people would engage in homosexuality in the ancient Near East, um, in sodomy, actually, I should say. Um, one was uh, if you, if you uh, caught prisoners of war. That was, one, that was one way to show your dominance over them is you would sodomize them. That was an ancient Near Eastern practice, okay? The other reason was, um, uh, um, and this comes from Prager, uh, if, if you read his, his new book on the Old Testament, is one, what, if you do some studying on ancient Near Eastern practices uh, of homosexuality, um, essentially um, having a spouse was, was strictly for the purposes of having children because they didn't have any contraception really for, to, to speak of in that day and time. Um, and so if you had sex with a woman, there's pretty good chance you were going to have a baby. Um, and so in order to gratify oneself sexually as a man, you would have sex with boys. You know, generally it was young boys because these guys weren't necessarily uh, same sex attracted, uh, but they would, you know, they would do these sorts of things with young men because they looked like, a, you know, and again, not to get into all the gory t details of it, but they would have their fun with the boys and do their duty with their wife. That was an ancient Near Eastern practice, and that's the roots of homosexual behavior. Both very vile and, and uh, repulsive practices. Now, let me hasten to add that I think the church has been at fault in how we've dealt with some of these issues in the past. 
uh, we haven't dealt with this sin very lovingly, and I and I think that's been to our our detriment. Um, it's it's not been helpful, and I think going forward we should we should really think about some of these things. Now I don't I don't think where the revoice guys are going just to bring that in it is the best place to go. However, um, we still need to treat treat this like it's a sin because it is harmful to people. It is not a good lifestyle to be engaged in, and this is why Scripture forbids it. Um, that doesn't. It, it, that's that's the thing is, it, it, and that's that's the argument I would put to, to Harris. Simply is, I don't think I am convinced that this is not something that promotes quote human flourishing. I disagree with you, and that's why I think it's wrong and why I would discourage the practice. Because you know, to him, not quote allowing people to love whoever they want to love. It's just a religious taboo. It's just a religious taboo to him. The only reason people believe that, the only reason people uh, are 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 anti-abortion, quote unquote, is because it's a religious taboo, and that is absolutely not the case. There are good reasons why Holy Scripture forbids these practices, and uh, and good reasons why we should discourage them among people who we say we care about. See, I, not I, I'm not advocating that there be a law written. You know, sodomy laws, these sorts of things, I don't think those things work. But what I do think is that as a society, as a culture, these are practices that we should that we should discourage and say, look, this isn't good for you. Um, I know you struggle with this or that propensity and that sort of thing. We can talk about that. We can talk about, you know, what, how to deal with that. Uh, but but just saying, okay, that's okay to go ahead and engage in it. No, that's not, you know, that's not the way to go. We've talked about this many times. Let's move on to one more thing before we've got to quit for for this week. The same kinds of concerns about Christianity or Mormonism or Scientology or anything else, and they're all. The point is, they're all different, and there's no reason to be because you know Islam. To take the case where it's fine, Islam doesn't represent any impediment to stem cell research, right? Because they just don't think that that the the the, the fertilized ovum is immediately sold. They wait. It waits 40 days or 80 days or 120 days, depending on, on what hadith you believe. So. It's just that never came up when we were all complaining about how religion, in this case, Orthodox Judaism and Christianity in, in, in the States, was posing an impediment to embryonic stem cell research. Okay, so there I would have jumped on him again. This See, this would have been the whole debate, honestly. I, I think they were just, <laughs> for, for me. Um, but I, I would have said you know, something even as pejorative as, then um, this is why I was so disappointed in what in what uh, Ben Shapiro did. He, did, he didn't take Harris to task on some of these very specific moral issues. You remember us reviewing that back in the day. Um, but I would have I said, okay, uh, you know, so Sam, it's okay to kill babies to do research? That sounds kind of barbaric. You, you, say, you say that the Old Testament is barbaric. That sounds barbaric to me. Kill, kill babies in the womb where they're most vulnerable and do research on them. Yeah, but they're not babies. Well, do, or do you know that for sure? Has the research demonstrated clearly that life does not begin at conception? See, I'd bring this question up to him. Is it, isn't it the least bit questionable? Again, the whole idea of one of his daughters being kidnapped. You wouldn't, you wouldn't give up as a dad until you found a dead body. Um, and then I would just argue that, that our scripture has given us this insight before we're able to discover it scientifically. Um, and honestly, these two things, the homosexual uh, indictment against Christianity and the abortion indictment against Christianity, 
These are Harris's two strongest arguments, period, end of story, against Christianity, is that we don't let people love whoever they want to love, and we impede embryonic stem cell research. That's his two best arguments against the horrors of Christ, the horrors that Christianity has brought upon civilization. Because otherwise, he can't point to one other thing. He can say the Crusades. He can say the Spanish Inquisition, the Salem Witch Trials. Um, okay, those were terrible, terrible things, and never should have happened. Um, and that you know, uh, and and yeah, we we can say, yep, those are major, major boo boos by the church, and they are not prescribed by Scripture. The people were not following Holy Scripture when they they uh, proceeded to engage in, in these activities, uh, but compared to uh, Stalinist Russia, uh, the few thousand that were killed in those events uh, or affected by those events don't compare to the some you know, 50 to 100 million tortured and killed uh, by communist China and Russia. Doesn't even compare. Um, and then he might say something like, well, Christians, you know, in the United States believe we should kept oh yeah, but you just said there are Christians on both sides of everything, so that's really not an argument now, is it? See, see, he's kind of wrapped up in his own game here. Anyway, we got to go for this week. I think we'll attack this a little bit more. I got a little passionate about this. You know, this it's pretty exciting stuff. Anyway, <laughs> be sure to check us out on KNA The Cross. Go to laymanstermsradio.org for your Kenyan Christian arts and to make your $50 donation to our well project. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Hey, preacher man, give me the gospel. It brings salvation. What you saw, where you went, or how much it cost Instead, won't you tell me all the words that give me salvation How he lived and how he died for me on the cross Hey, preacher man